Take your Bibles and let's see if we can read our focus passage today. We've been walking through this series on living generously. I hope that you've been able to make as many of these as possible because I don't want you to miss out on the storyline, Jim, that we've been talking as we've been walking through the life of Frank and his family. But I do want to share again one time this passage of Scripture that is our focal passage. We've been uh, taking this and reading it every Sunday as we've been together. And I think Paul somewhat summarizes the heart of what our message has been during this series. And so if you take your Bibles, you can read up on, on the, on the uh, screen with me. But this is what Paul had to say as he spoke to Timothy. He said, listen, I want you to teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking, Maria, about time, talents, and treasures, and we've been talking about living generously. But we've been talking not so much about the ritual We've not so much been talking about the responsibilities, but what we've been talking about is the changing of the heart. Because we'll tell you what, when Jesus is involved, there's something that happens to happen to our hearts. Maybe you, maybe you understand that. I was talking to a, a dear friend of mine this past week that is, has done very well in life. And at this stage in life, he said to me these words, he's given away probably most of everything that he owns very wealthy man and as I sit across the table from him he's not from here so don't try to figure out who it is it's not Steve Painter okay <laughs> but as I sat across the table with him and I showed him one of these videos after our conversation but he said to me this with tears rolling down his face I wish I could teach my children that I wish I could teach my children what I've learned in my life. And this is a man that has invested millions of dollars in places like Haiti and Nicaragua, around the world in Africa, for helping those that are in need. There's a heart, there's something that happens with the heart when Jesus gets a hold of it. When you surrender and you allow him to take control, there's something that happens to the heart. Because what happens when you surrender and you give him control, his priorities become our priorities. And then all of a sudden, we begin, that, we begin to realize that there's more to this life than this life. Now, let's talk very briefly and bring us up to date. What happened in the first video that we saw? Anybody remember there was Frank and there was his child and there was a little airplane and there was two little sheep. There was the what sheep and the what sheep? The stinky sheep and the good sheep, the best sheep and the stinky sheep. And Frank learned an awful lot about sacrifice during that first video, if you remember. You know, Frank thought he knew what it was to sacrifice until his son said, listen, I want to give you my best. Then in that second video, you remember he became guilty and he had that dream. You remember the dream that he had? And here he was, his money was put on trial. And in the midst of his money putting on, was put on trial, his money testified against him. And there was one thing that kept coming back and back and back. And if you remember, as money testified against Frank, 
money would say, the, the question would be asked, um, does Frank ever go to the Lord and, and, and ask the Lord for you know, advice? And money kept saying, oh no, Frank's the boss. Frank's, Frank's the boss. Well, the next video takes us to the scene where Frank is so convicted he's guilty, he takes his daughter to see Ray, the gardener, down at the uh, soup kitchen. You remember that? And he got, he got his what out? His wallet. He wanted to write a check. He wanted to write a check because he thought, okay, I'll just write a check and get this thing over with. So he goes in, and, and Ray, he's getting ready to write a check, and a check's good. Listen, I'll take your check. You want to give a check? I'll take your check. Check is really good. But what Ray said, he said, listen, man, I don't need that right now. And he handed him a what? A ladle. And the difference that we learned between a spoon and a ladle at that time was a spoon is used to feed your, a ladle is used to feed. Last week, Brian, um, we brought up the piece in the story where there was a tragedy that took place where, where Frank's wife was mugged. He ran to the hospital and all of a sudden, he learned, even though he had built the, the building, he had built the hospital, he invested, was a big investor in the hospital, he learned that money was not his source of strength. Because it didn't matter how much money he had, he couldn't control the situation. And we learned last week that our God, our Heavenly Father, is our strong tower and nothing else. Well, this week, we're going to pick up the rest of the story as we finish out our series but before we do that, I want you to turn in your Bibles to, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, and I want to read to you a parable, a parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. I want to read this to you in a precursor to our discussion of what's going to take place afterwards. Because I think, I think today has the ability to be life-changing for every one of us that's in this room. Because I want you to see something that the Holy Spirit brings about that all of a sudden you're going to go, I never saw that. But all of a sudden, I see something different. I want you to see it today, and I think you will, and it's going to happen as the Holy Spirit speaks and as we listen. But let me read this parable to you. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on the long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So you've got a man who's going on a long trip. Servants, you've got a master, and you've got his servants. He gave five bags of silver to one. He gave two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. So already up front, it's unfair, right? I mean, how in the world would he choose to give five to one, two to one, and then one to one. I mean, what in the world did the guy with, with one, what did he do wrong? Right? It says, dividing it proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money that he had earned, and he earned five more. Verse 17, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master received, uh, returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward in five, with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the handling of this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Hey, let's celebrate together. 
The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in the handling of this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they will have, will have, will have taken away. Now throw this useful servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't answer me, but who is the master? Who does the master represent? And who are the servants? Watch this little video clip. But our top story this morning is, of course, Wall Street, as the markets have been hammered since the opening bell. After a brief bounce, things are continuing to head south, leaving many wondering where the bottom will be. Alan, today is not the day to have trouble getting hold of you. Please give me a call back as soon as you get this. Hey, how you feeling? Hungry. Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> I think so. Let me get something in a little bit. Where are you going? Ray's asked me to go down to the soup kitchen for a little bit to help out, and then I have got to run by the office and take care of some business. You and the kids have been down there quite a bit lately, haven't you? Look, no one's going to blame you if you don't want to go back. No, I think it's great. I... I'm looking forward to seeing everyone again. Yeah. Okay. Love you. Love you. Hey, remind me that I need to discuss some things with you when I get back, all right? Sure. Stock market killing you today. Oh, yeah, man. My 4167K is taking a beating. <laughs> I know that's true. Mrs. Donovan. Hey, sorry I'm late, Ray. What's all this? It's a beautiful day, Mr. Donovan. Can you feel the sunlight just streaming in? You mean uh, the sunlight coming through those holes in the ceiling? Not for long. Those grants we applied for came through. This place is getting new life. Oh, that is excellent news, Ray. I, you guys deserve this. That's not even the best part. Those men there are from Somerset Construction. I don't know if they're getting some kind of matching dollars or what, but they're looking to hire as many folk from the kitchen as possible for the labor, even often training for certain positions. Well, let me know if they have room for a volunteer. I got a hammer. At least I think I got a hammer. <laughs> um, that market stuff that everybody's talking about, how's that affecting you? Ray, I'm sorry, I gotta take this, it's urgent. Alan, hey. Yeah, it's urgent. Okay, can you come by the house a little bit later? Perfect, talk to you then. The general consensus seems to be relieved that the day is over. The fear now is that the Asian markets will respond too strongly to today's sell-off, which could trigger a... Hey. Hey. By the way, I've called Alan to come over here for a meeting. 
He's gonna come over a little bit later. There's some things that I want to go over with you first. Make sure we're on the same page. Okay. Your accident made a big impact on me. I remember sitting there, just staring at you, waiting for you to recover. I was powerless. I remember thinking to myself, everything that I tried to do to protect this family, everything. And you know what, it just felt silly. Ray mentioned something the other day. We were talking about the parable of the talents and how out of all the three servants who were asked to look over their master's money, the only one who was rebuked was the one who had buried the money and then returned it the same way he received it. The one that played it safe. I wanna take risks. If God owns everything and we're willing to risk it all for him and it doesn't work out, well, it's just like moving money from one of his pockets to the other. It might mean a lot of changes. And that's why I have Alan coming over. So what do you think? I think uh, Ray's the best gardener we've ever had. <laughs> so how does all this market stuff going on affect what you've been thinking? What market stuff? Hey, Ray. Hi, Ms. Donovan. How you doing? Good. I just came by to um, reseed a couple of patches in the yard, and I wanted to give you a little present, <laughs> in case you couldn't find yours. Wow, this is a beauty. <laughs> you swing that in, right? Right. <laughs> How are things going down there? You know, right after you left this morning, we got a call, um, said that there were uh, holes in the grant application, and they wouldn't even review it in, until we corrected it. Government. Yeah, right. Um, I was just trying to figure out how um, Somerset Construction could already be on site and they haven't even reviewed the grant application. I don't know. I guess you'll have to ask them. Well, that's the thing. I did. No one over there seemed to know anything about any grants. Strange. Hey, I, I got a family meeting, so I got to run too. Yeah, right. Uh, one thing um, I want to ask, um, doesn't your company own Somerset? Gosh, Ray, uh, uh, got so much stuff on the plate right now, and I really don't want to talk business. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Thanks for the hammer, Ray. You're welcome, Mr. Donovan. Sorry about that, Alan. Uh, you were saying? So, I know how important security is to you, so I've prepared some ideas to fortify your portfolio in light of today's events. Maybe I wasn't that clear with you earlier today, Alan. We actually had some of our own ideas, as a family. Okay. Sure. Our goal is to increase liquidity across all areas. We want to start by dismantling our... Intentionally? Intentionally. Defective. Defective. Grand Tour Trust. Grand Trust. We'd like to have that charity discussion you suggested the other day. So what do you think? Can you help us out?
think the whole basis of our discussion through this has been not the building of a kingdom, but the building of his kingdom. If you go back to the parable of the talents, who was it that the master represented? Jesus. Jesus. When you think about the scripture, the story of scripture, we find that Jesus was crucified. Jesus was resurrected. But Jesus ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father right now interceding on our behalf. And the Bible says that he told the disciples before he left that I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back. What about the servants? Who do the servants represent? Us. Us. What were the servants given? Responsibility, resources, talents, abilities, time, three different guys, three different amounts. Was there one of those persons that were more important than the other? They were all, they were all important to the Father. They were, part of, they were part of his. When the master came back, he asked for an accounting of what had taken place. He asked for an accounting of how they had invested or stewarded what had been entrusted to them. Regardless of the amount. What did you do with the amount that had given? Were you a good steward? Have, had, you, had you invested? Two of the guys were faithful and used what the master had, had in such a way that there was a return on his investment. But the other servant didn't have a return because he hadn't been a wise steward. Because he hadn't done anything with what the master had given him. So what was the end result? Verse 29 says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I'm probably going to be disagreed with and I'm okay with that. But I really don't think this has anything to do with heaven and hell. I think this passage of scripture has something to do with disobedience. You know, some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life are church people that are disobedient. Because in the midst of their disobedience, they're still living in darkness. Because in the midst of their disobedience, there is no joy. Because in the midst of their disobedience, there is no peace. In the midst of their disobedience, there is confusion. But the scripture is pretty doggone clear that one day all of us are going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account. Now there's two different, two different judgments that we talk about, that the scripture talks about. One of those is the great white throne of judgment that is not for those of us that are believers because the blood of Christ has already paid for our sins. He's already stood in that place and, and he's, already, he's already accounted for us. But then there's the other one that those of us that are believers or followers of Christ are going to have to stand before the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account for all the things that we've done with what God has entrusted us. 
There's going to be a time where we're going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives and what we did with what the Master entrusted us with. One of those places that we find that discussed is in the book of 2 Corinthians, in that letter that Paul wrote, and he said, For we must all stand before Christ, as he was talking to the believers, to be judged. We will each receive whatever we we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. So the question that I have for you, if you're a follower of Christ, how have you invested and trusted and stewarded the resources, the time, the talents, the financial resources that God has blessed you with for the enlargement of his kingdom? That's a really big question. I mean, are you sowing seeds of faith into things that are temporary, that are not lasting, Or are you sowing seeds of faith into those things which are heavenly, which have eternal value? Are you storing up treasures here on earth which moth and rust destroy and fires burn down? It's a huge fire last night just a couple of blocks across from the street. Or are you storing up treasures in heaven which moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and, and steal? Frank's journey is taking him all the way from the responsibility and the duties of giving, from the requirements of giving, to all of a sudden learning to give out of a vision and a purpose. Are you with me? I mean, he's gone from the, okay, well, we got to give to this and we got to give to that, to all of a sudden, it's not that I've got to do this or I've got to do that, but all of a sudden, I've got a vision and I've got a passion that I want to plant seeds of faith so that I can, I can... I can have an impact for eternity. He said at the end, man, we want to have a risk. Our family wants to risk. We want to risk. To going from the difference between I have to, do I want to, from the got to, to I get to. How many of you sometimes catch yourselves going, I've got to go do this? You ever catch yourself doing that? I've got to go, and I've got to go to another ball game. I've got to go to another Christmas party. I've got to go. I catch myself from time to time, and I have to say, no, not got to. I, I, I get to. Here's Paul in his letter to the, to the uh, believers, the churches there at Galatia, and there were a couple of questions that, he, that Paul addressed. Number one, one of, the, one of the questions that he addressed in his letter was, were we justified by faith? Were those believers justified by faith or was salvation earned through other external things that they did by following certain rules? The other question that Paul addressed in his letter to that church, to the people there, was if, are we justified, if we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ, then how should I live my life? So if it's not by the rules, if I'm justified by faith, then Leanne, how should I live my life? How should I go about living my life? And I want you to listen to what Paul says near the end of that letter in Galatians chapter 6. Because what he does is he says, I want you guys to understand the law of sowing and reaping. And this is what he said in Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and following. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. You ever told your kids that? Your parents ever told you that? You'll reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest an everlasting life from the Spirit. 
So don't get tired of doing what's good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Man, if you like to garden, you know it's not the easiest of things. I mean, it takes time and it takes effort to till that ground, to plant that seed, to fertilize, to water, and then wait and pull weeds and wait and pull more weeds and wait. There's that whole process that takes place in gardening. When I was home at Thanksgiving, my dad said, well, do you like those peas? And I said, sure. He said, well, let me tell you the story about those peas. When I was a little kid growing up, um, we would go to Grandma and Grandpa Brock's. And there on, the, there on the farm, after we had picked all the peas, they would always leave a certain amount of peas behind, and those peas would dry out. And then we would have that time that we would go pick dry peas off the, off the bushes. All right, We would put them in croaker sacks. And at the right time of the day, when the wind was blowing at the, at the, at the, at the hardest, and John shaking his head, as little kids, I didn't learn to swing a baseball bat on the baseball field. I learned to swing a stick when I would hit that croaker sack and try to knock those peas out of those, out of those pea pods. And so you'd have a separation between the pea pod and the peas. The peas would drop down to the bottom and the, and the hull, the husk, would be at the top. And so you would separate the two, you'd take the husk out, and then you would pour what was left, those peas and the chafe and everything else that was there, you would pour it on an old, an old bed sheet, and we would take a couple of us kids in the wind, and we would throw those seed up very gently in the wind, and as we would throw it up, that which was light would blow away, and the only thing we'd be left with is a seed. Well, my dad said, that's some of those seed. And I said, well, what are you talking about, Dad? He said, well, I took those pea seed out of the freezer at Grandma Brock's when she died last year. He said those peas had been in the freezer at least 15 years because Grandpa Brock died 13 years ago. And those peas don't know anything about all this extra uh, added stuff that we've done to our peas over these years. Those have been passed down from generation to generation to generation that have never seen a store. They tasted almost like prime rib, Mike. And I tell you that story to say, the sowing of seed, I was the beneficiary of work that was done years and years ago. And guess what my dad did with those seeds this year? Just like his dad did, he took those seeds and he saved some so that seed line would be saved. While giving our good sheep the tithes and the offerings to God that we've been talking about reflects our love, this is what I want you to hear. The sowing of seed, the utilizing of the gifts and the talents and the abilities that we have for kingdom purposes, they reflect our desire to bring God glory. Let me stop for a second. When's the last time that in the middle of the day you stopped yourself and you thought, am I bringing God glory today with my actions? When's the last time you stopped in the middle of a business deal and you said, does this business deal honor the Lord? When's the last time in the middle of a conflict with your spouse have you stopped and said, does this conflict, is what I feel, is that what's really what's most important? 
When's the last time as a student have you sat at a table in a lunchroom and in the midst of your conversation have you thought about, is my conversation honoring to the Lord? When's the last time that you've thought about the sowing of seed and bringing God glory? When's the last time you've sat down and you've thought about the fact that one day Jesus is coming back and in the midst of His coming back, we're going to have to give an account of all of that which He's entrusted us And the question is, will we have been faithful stewards? See, it's not an issue of salvation. It's an issue of stewardship. That's what it's at. It's a stewardship issue. You know, what are some ways, as we we just brainstorm for a second, what are some ways that we can share seeds of faith throughout the day? What are some ways? Come on, guys. What are some ways? Do what? Helping somebody at the store. What else? Who? Share the gospel. What's another way? Beyond the walls. What else? Share your time. When's the last time you fixed a meal for somebody that was sick? When's the last time you've, no pun intended, helped the old lady across the street? When's the last time you've carried groceries out to somebody? When's the last time you've made a phone call and said, listen, you've just been on my mind. I want to call and pray with you. When's the last time? I mean, we could go on and on and on. The finances for a new ministry, the feeding of hungry, supporting missionaries, purchasing coffee to be able to go back. Bless Wildwood, Fruitland Park. See, Fruitland Park, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. We took up that offering that we quadrupled anything that I thought that we would take up. We took up that offering so that we would bless this community. Why? To be able to have the opportunity to share the gospel. Because it's not about the numbers of people that walk through these doors. It's about being able to share the gospel. Ministry first starts in our homes. What about sharing the gospel on the baseball fields? What about seeing the baseball field as a place of sowing seeds? Or your business as a place of sowing seeds? Or the school? Or your club? Or your organization? But by the end of the film, this is what we see. We've seen Frank catch a grasp of this. It's gone from the responsibility and the duty to all of a sudden as an opportunity. And we've seen Frank during this journey go from selfishness and self-centeredness to selflessness and thinking of others. As we finish up, watch this little video clip. We don't often think about it this way, but God wants us to take risks, doesn't he? As Frank tells Cassie in the parable of the talents, the only servant who was rebuked was the one who buried his talent and wouldn't take a risk for his master. Living generously can be a risky business. God gives to us so that we can give to others. We can invest those gifts for God's kingdom. But we're just passing along something that was given to us. It never really belonged to us. We're just re-gifting. As a gardener, I tend to think less of stocks and more of seeds. The Bible talks a lot about seeds. The Lord of the harvest gives all of us seeds to plant in this life. Some of us a lot, some a little. But we are all called to the same job, to sow. In Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul says, God is not marked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Let us not grow weary of doing good, For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then let us do good to everyone. 
There's an English pastor I like to read by the name of Matthew Henry. Our present time is seed time, he said. In the other world, we shall reap as we sow now. Time, brothers and sisters, is short. None of us can say how much time we have. The Bible tells us that all men are like grass and their lives are like a mist. Our lives pass in a blink, and one day soon we'll wake up and find that the time of opportunity is gone. So what are you doing with the talents God has given you? Are you like the man who played it safe with what his master entrusted to him? Are you getting down, taking risks, and digging your hands into the soil to sow seeds for eternity? True life, the life Jesus Christ offers to all who follow him, is a life filled with faithful risk-taking. So take the seeds that God has given to you, your resources, your abilities, your relationships, your time, your labor, every gift that God has given, invest them and see the seeds grow. See what happens when you live the life Jesus calls us to, the life of abundant generosity. I think there's so much that we could say, but the question isn't how much we have or what's been entrusted, it's what are we doing with what has been entrusted to us. How many of us are living in the safe zone? And how many of us are willing to risk so that when the master returns, he will say to us, good, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not about what we have, but what are we doing? I guess one of the best questions to finish up this series is, is what is it that you're putting off? What is it that you've been putting off that needs to be done today? What is it that you're, you've been putting off for a while that needs to be completed? See, this just isn't for, this is for all of us. For the believer, you've got a response. For those of you that may be here that don't know Christ, what you may have been putting off, which is most important, is your decision to follow Jesus. Your decision to trust Him, to risk. Living by faith is not something that's easy, especially in the world in which we live. Our Heavenly Father was the greatest of all givers. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, the greatest thing that you could give is your life to say, I surrender. If that's you today, I'd love for you to come to me afterwards and say, would you tell me more? But I'll give it to you in a nutshell. To understand that you can't save yourself, to believe that you're a sinner, to believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your salvation, and to commit your life to following. That's it. It's simple, but it's hard. Because it's saying less of me and more of you. Jesus, I'm going to bypass my wants and my, my thoughts and my, my feelings and my desires for you. For you, Jesus, I'm going I'm to set myself on the side and I'm going 
I'm going to put on a new clothing, a new outerwear, because I want to become Christ-like. But for you, the decision may not be following Christ. Maybe you've made that decision. Maybe you've been putting off being baptized. Maybe you've been putting that off. I've made a decision to trust Christ, but I've not been baptized. I need to make that step of faith. For some of you, it may be the fact that you've never trusted the Lord with what he's blessed you with. It may be you've never tithed. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know what you give. I have no clue. But I'll tell you what. If you're not being obedient, you're being disobedient. If you're being disobedient, remember, disobedience, lack of peace. Disobedience, lack of joy. Disobedience, you remember that? You can be, church people can be some of the most miserable people there are. For you, it may be giving to Lottie Moon. It may be giving to Beyond the Walls. I don't know what it may be. That's up to you and the Lord. But how are you using what God has entrusted? Because one day he's coming back. And when he comes back, we're going to have to give an account. I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you bow with me today? Thank you, Lord, for what we have learned and what we have heard over the past several weeks in reference to living generously. I want us to be a generous congregation. I want us to be able to take some of those risks. I know that I've not done that. I know that there's areas of my life, Lord, that I've not trusted you, and for that I ask forgiveness, God. But I want to be accountable, Lord, that when that time comes, that, Lord, I've used what you've given, and I've been faithful, and I've been a good steward. For all of us, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Let us ask the question, what am I putting off, Lord, that, that, I need, that needs to be done right now? If it's trusting you with my life, Father, I pray that that person immediately after this service would come to me and say, I need to trust Jesus today. If there's someone here that has followed Christ but has never been baptized, I pray that after this service they would come to me and say, today, I want you to know that I need to follow through in baptism. I'm thankful, Father, that in our lives that we have the ability to sow seeds. May we be faithful with what you've entrusted us. When we planted heritage as a family, as a church, what we said that we wanted to be about was planting seeds of faith that would reap a harvest in due time. May we be responsible with that. Bless us now as we go in this season of peace, season that we talk about joy and that we talk about laughter and we talk about hope. I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded and be anchored in the hope of all. That's you. That you are our hope and that you are our peace, nothing else. Remind us that as we walk out these doors that you've called us to sow seeds of faith and distribute them in and out to this community as well as around the world. May we be faithful in doing that as a family. Father, I pray that you will impress upon us to take some steps in this journey of living generously so that we can be more Christ-like in our lives. May we not look to the lives of whatever somebody else is doing or another story that we heal here, but Father, may we do business with you and you alone, and may we find satisfaction and joy in that place of obedience. Thank you, Father, for being in this place. Again, we pray for Willie and Emily and all of our missionaries that are serving around the world. May we be faithful in supporting them. In Jesus' name, amen.